Hello and welcome to Hotline Offline. I'm your host, Esther Choi. I'm a chef who worked in numerous kitchens and currently running several of my own. And throughout it all, I've gotten a lot of practice at problem solving in the kitchen and answering burning questions. We are featuring not one, but two incredible cooks to talk about one of my favorite things in the world, soup. It can be medicine, it can be hearty, it can be refreshing, it could truly be anything. So because soup can be so many things, we decided to speak to a couple of people about what soup means to them and answer some of your burning questions. After the break, we'll be hearing from Ivan Orkin, the founder and head chef of the world-famous Ivan Ramen. But first, we're going to be sitting down with the incredibly talented and wonderful Hetty McKinnon. Hetty is a wonderful food writer and cookbook author who focuses on fresh, plant-based ingredients that bring incredibly flavorful meals. Let's get to it. Hi, Esther. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm literally obsessed with anything brothy, right? And that is our topic for today, talking everything soup. Now, Hetty, what is your feeling on soup, stocks, anything brothy? The thing is, Esther, I grew up with soup. I consumed soup every single night before dinner. You know, it's what we call tong in, in Cantonese. And it's a medicinal broth that my mum would make. And it would be different every single day, depending on what ailments my mum prescribed that our family was particularly going through, whether, you know, in Chinese culture, there's always something, you know, there is, someone's got too much heat or oh, someone's coughing. I heard, I heard a sneeze and that would really inform what soup she made for that night. To be honest, you know, when I was young, I thought it was a real pain in the ass to have <laughs> to drink or consume this soup right before dinner, which was really my main event. Mm-hmm. You know, I was really interested in the in the main dinner and not the soup portion, but we couldn't get to the dinner unless we had the soup. But now, like, as an adult cooking for my family, developing recipes, I always think of soups in that way, like a restorative element. Right. First, I want to go into maybe stocks, Right. How can someone make a very flavorful vegetable stock at home? I really fall heavily on the shiitake mushrooms, like the dried shiitake mushrooms. I mean, honestly, it is a really magical ingredient to have in your pantry. One of the smells of my mom's kitchens is shiitake mushrooms. I mean, she would soak them almost every day because so many of her dishes that she made had the shiitake mushrooms in there. I mean, if you soak shiitake mushrooms, you've not only got this ingredient, shiitake mushrooms, but you've got the stock to use and you never throw that away. It may have some sediment in there, so you've got to kind of drain that off. That's basically like an instant dashi. Right. Right. You can use that in risotto. You could use that in whatever soup you're making in, you know, like it's it's got so much flavor. That's such a great tip. Because it, it stays in your pantry and you forever. can make, yeah, forever, forever. <laughs> and you can make a vegetable stock anytime you want, right? And you can probably add, you know, any type of leftover, like scraps of vegetables and just throw it in there with the dried mushrooms. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing I really love, and if you've got it, I mean, I have a whole box of seaweed in my cupboard. Um And, you know, different types of seaweed. But, you know, kombu is just another, like, if you have kombu, you can put that in 
gently heat it in water for 10 minutes. Don't let it boil. And you have this amazingly rich vegan stock in 10 minutes. I feel like seaweed is so underused by everyone, but particularly home cooks. And it is the source of umami. You know, right there, it is offering you so much flavor so quickly. So seaweed is another thing I think everybody get onto the seaweed train because... Yeah, for sure. And you don't have to just use that for like Asian food. Like honestly, no, it could just be, no, it could be used for anything. Not at all. Yeah, absolutely. So is there maybe an herb or vegetable that you shouldn't put in a stock? I think cruciferous vegetables is something to st- stay away from. Like things like, you know, like the broccolis, the cabbages, mm-hmm. the um, Brussels sprouts, because they get sulfurous. They give off kind of a, a weird smell. Maybe it's not weird, but it, it's a very strong smell. Yeah, it's very particular in flavor. Yeah. So I don't feel like those, like the cruciferous vegetables, lend themselves that well to long cooking or to adding that much flavor. But definitely, I think, you know, all your kind of leftover scraps of onions, you know, carrot peel, whatever, you know, all those things um, can go into like a compost stock. Definitely. Like never throw anything away. That's the rule of thumb in my kitchen as well, right? Everything can go (laughs) in the stock, right? Everything. Yes. One of our readers was asking, I'm going to try to be a vegetarian in the new year. What are some beans or grains that are easy to include in my soup? And here's a question from me. Is there a difference between using dried versus canned? And like, what would be better? Okay, so I think it comes down to practicalities, you know, like I think that you can't argue that dried legumes, good quality dried legumes have more flavor. Um, There's also, you know, when you're cooking, say, chickpeas from scratch, you have the opportunity to inject flavor while you're cooking the beans. So you can cook them with garlic, with, you know, rosemary. However, on an everyday weeknight basis, I don't always, well, I never (laughs) remember to do that. Um, because I'm very much like, oh my God, I've got to cook dinner for the family. So, you know, I think there's, I have no issues with using canned legumes during the week, you know, like chickpeas are an absolute favorite and is so great in soup. If you want to go from dried legume, lentils are your best friend because they cook quickly. They don't require any pre-soaking, um, red split lentils cook in like 10 minutes. So you could just add that directly into the stock. Absolutely. And, you know, green and brown and black lentils, I will also add them directly into the stock. No pre-soaking. The dark whole lentils take a little bit longer to cook, uh, maybe about 20, 30 minutes, maybe longer. But the, the red split lentils will cook in absolutely no time. But lentils are probably your best bet in terms of quick cooking from from a dried bean. But also don't discount using pre-cooked canned beans because they're also really good. What are some vegetarian soups that are filling enough to be a main dish during a meal? Every soup I make is is basically (laughs) a meal. I actually really like to add mung bean vermicelli, or I guess some people call it glass noodles. And um, you can do an egg drop in that too. And that gives you like, that's a, you don't need anything with that. Although my kids will probably want rice on the side. Always. I mean, I'm, I'm like that too. With soup, I always need to have rice on the side. 
It's like a very <laughs> Asian thing, but it, it's like the best meal ever. It's so comforting and it easy, is. right? Heidi, thank you so much. And if our listeners want to find you, where can they find you at? Well, I they can find me out on Instagram at Hedy McKinnon is my handle. And my website is www.arthurstreetkitchen.com. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Thanks so much to Hedy for joining us to talk. We'll be taking another spoonful of soup right after the break. we're back. In the first half of the episode, we spoke to Hetty McKinnon about soup, and now we're continuing the conversation with Ivan Orkin. When he was living in Japan, Ivan opened up one of the most successful ramen shops in Tokyo. He eventually brought his recipes back to New York and is widely considered an American authority on ramen, so he's the perfect person to talk stock. Chef Ivan Orkin, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's great to see you. I wanted to talk to you about all things soup, stews, stocks. Obviously, this is so in your wheelhouse. You are the ramen master. What's the biggest difference, do you think, between a soup and a stew or a broth? A broth is really just your palate, right? I mean, a broth is generally something that has yet to have any real uh, flavor or personality put into it. And I mean, a good broth, right? It, I mean, to mm-hmm. me, a good broth tastes like what it's made from. You know, it's a, a chicken broth tastes, you know, just fantastically chickeny. And when you mm-hmm. eat it, you really feel like you're, you're, you're almost, you know, just having the most fresh, fantastic chicken flavor. And same with any other type of broth. You know, a soup is a, is a, is a broth that's been taken to the next level. It's, it's, it can be as simple as adding salt and pepper and, and boiled vegetables and, and, mm-hmm. and just having a, a very simple soup. You know, it could be uh, adding uh, sofrito into it or, you know, there, and, and, you know, so to me, and then a stew, you start with a broth because right. you're going to have a much more delicious stew. And then you cook, you know, your product into it and you, you know, you, you, you cook chunks of meat or, or, or seafood or whatever your protein and, and vegetables into that broth uh, over. I mean, I, I made one, you know, I made a, I made a bereria the other day because I didn't feel like schlepping to Queens. And so <laughs> I, I, des- I decided to, to try my hand at one. And I went to the, mar- we have a Mexican market up here and I asked the owner and she gave me a rough outline on how to make it. So I went home and made one. How did it turn out? Oh, it was sick. It was so good. Did you add ramen to it? I had to no, ask you. No, no ramen. You know, I don't, I don't, you know, ramen's funny. I, I'd say I eat udon at home more than I eat ramen because ramen is such an undertaking and I'm kind of geeky about ramen. When I make it, I like it to be pretty, right. pretty, pretty dense. Um, and so uh, udon, on the other hand, you know, we, 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 we basically, my house is basically a Japanese household mm-hmm. and the majority of the food that we eat at home is from, is Japanese and so we keep udon and we keep, uh, uh, you know, stuff to make dashi. So I make dashi a lot. For listeners, if you can explain what dashi is. Absolutely. And, how speci- and why is it special? 
Well, dashi is sort of, they call it the building blocks of Japanese cuisine to a certain extent. And it's, uh, it's broth that's made with uh, a, a, a smoked and dried and shaved bonito most, uh, a lot of the time. But it, but it can be made with many different kinds of dried seafood um, and uh, seaweed, uh, uh, more specifically kombu, which is the giant uh, seaweed that they farm off of uh, Hokkaido, the uh, northernmost island of Japan. Recently, I keep a big bag of katsuobushi flakes. That's bonito. Once again, it's, they, they, they steam it, they dry it, they smoke it until it's like hard as a, as, a, as a piece of wood. And then they shave it into these very light flakes. And you can buy them on Amazon. You can buy them in any Asian market for the most part. And it's really simple to make a dashi. And then you can add, season that dashi. And uh, um, I do that a lot. You know, uh, one, of the, one of the things we eat at home a lot right now is that seasoned with like sake and meat in and soy sauce and then, and then, uh, and then fry a, uh, a kakiage, which is uh, uh, like a carrots and onions and shrimp in a tempura batter. And then you fry it in like a disc. And it's really fast. I usually keep a big pot of oil on the stove. So when I, I can fr I fry whenever I feel like it. I find frying a pain in the ass if you don't kind of keep yourself ready to fry. So I'm always ready to fry. You're all, always ready. Well, dashi is obviously, it has so much umami and that's like such an easy way to make an instant broth, right? I, I feel like it it's very underutilized and I, I think that is very versatile as well. You can use it in all different types of cuisines. It doesn't just have to be Japanese. Here's a question from our listeners. I try to make my own chicken broth, but it's very cloudy. How do I fix that? First of all, I don't know why. Why do you have to fix it? I don't like, I mean, the reason, maybe we should talk about why it's cloudy. It's probably right. cloudy because you cooked it, cooked it at too high a temperature. If you boil chicken bones and, and flesh in water, you get a python, which is a cloudy mm -hmm. broth, right? You get, right. that's, it's a style of making ramen broth, um, you know, you, 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 the, the positive, the pros of making your cloudy broth is that you, you extract more flavor, you break down more of the bones in the chicken and the longer you cook it, the more flavorful it'll get, but the cloudier it will get. If you, if you don't want it to be cloudy, then, you know, you, you need to cook it at a more gentle temperature. But I, quite frankly, I don't think you have to worry about a cloudy broth. Yeah. Are there any soup institute formulas that can reliably make a great soup every single time. Do you have a formula that uh, you use when you make soups or stews? Well, I usually do a pound, you know, a ramen soup for me is usually a pound of, a pound of protein to two liters of water. And that's the sort of the standard one. If you want to do a, if you want to do a tonkotsu, a, a, a pork style, much closer to one to one. If you want it to be milky and creamy and thick, it's a little more expensive and yet pork, you know, is cheaper, although not, not as much as it used to be, unfortunately. But uh, um, the chicken broth, I usually do a, a whole chicken to whatever the weight is uh, times two of water. Do you add any vegetables or aromatics to your, your soup broths? I don't, but it's more about my philosophy for my ramen. I, I, right. I, I sort of, I had from the beginning, I decided that I wanted... I really wanted it to taste like chicken. And, you know, when mm -hmm. I was eating ramen a lot in Tokyo, and it's changed a lot. Ramen's got, it continues to get more and more sophisticated. Right. But uh, back in the day, a lot of ramen was kind of murky. You couldn't really always taste exactly what the, what the flavor was. 
I love that you said that you love serving like kakiage or something like tempura fried with your soup. What are some other things that you can serve alongside soup? I mean, hey, I mean, it's always nice if you're having a, a, a big chunk of crusty uh, bread with butter all over it to, to dip into, into broth or stew. Definitely always. Well, Chef Ivan, thank you so much for all of your insight. I love picking your brain on all things soup. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for thinking of me and uh, having me on the show and get to chat about stuff. Thanks again to Hedy McKinnon and Ivan Orkin for joining us on this episode. And thanks so much for all of our listeners for asking some incredible questions. If you have any more questions that you're dying to know the answer to, remember to leave a message at 518-291-9877. Hotline Offline is a Food 52 podcast and is produced by Coral Lee and Harry Sultan. Remember to follow so no questions go unanswered and no answer goes unheard. Bye. Bye.